0: Uh, please pray for my wife's family, her mother, her sister Mona, her brother Fred uh, their other sister Carla their uncle passed away this week the funeral will be this afternoon at two o'clock and pray for my family and extended family my great aunt Helen passed away this week um, her husband of 71 years passed away a few months ago and They've been waiting to have a service, so they're having a combined memorial service for my uncle and aunt this afternoon at 3 o'clock, so pray for the Strickland and the Dunn family and um, all of those involved, the Hivelys and all of that. So We've got some funerals today, but we know that all of them have made their journey to the other side, and they're just beyond the veil in the realm of glory where Jesus is. Amen so we're thankful for that. Does your money talk? What does it say? Hello and goodbye. (laughs) And sometimes it says goodbye quicker than it says hello. Am I talking to anybody? Let me change your perspective for just a second, okay, on money. Today we're talking about financial health. We've dealt with The soul and reducing the stress of the soul and the mind last week. Pastor Frank talked to us about uh, physical health and nutrition and rest and all of those things. We talked about looking at spiritually to start living well. We need to look at things eternal above the line and not things temporary in the earthly realm. If we get stuck looking in the earthly realm, then uh, we will be discouraged, depressed, and full of anxiety and worry. So we fix our eyes on things above Come on, week one. But today we're going to talk about financial health because the stress and the pressure of financial health, 90 times out out of 10, nine times out of 10, when people show up in my office for marriage counseling, it ends up not being about relationship issues as much as it is a financial issue. Nine times out of 10, the financial pressure is, Stress has led to everything else. So I want to encourage you this morning. I trust that we will give you some things that will help you think about, give you some resources as you look towards the Holy Spirit giving you direction in your own financial health. Now, I am a prosperity preacher, but not in the way that a lot of people define prosperity. I believe that the plan of God is for you to have more than enough for your journey. And the more than enough for your journey is so that you can bless others along the journey. We're having a difficult time blessing others along the journey because we aren't fully understanding the blessing that we already have from the Lord. So I want to encourage you. But let's look at our perspective on finances for just a second. Listen, if you have sufficient food in your kitchen, decent clothes you live in a home that keeps weather out, and you own a reasonably reliable means of transportation, you are among the top 15% of the wealthiest people in the world. Think about that for just a second. I would venture to say that close to 100% of everyone in this room is in the top 15% of the wealthiest people in America. the world well let me give you one more if you have money saved a variety of clothes in your closet more than one working car and you live in your own home other words you don't rent you are among the top five percent of the wealthiest people in the world isn't that a change of perspective I'd say most of us are 15% of the wealthiest people in the world and some of us, a lot of us, are in the top 5% of the wealthiest people in the world. <sighs> That's exciting. Has anyone ever heard of the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Robert Kioskia? I don't it's Japanese. But he says, broke is temporary, but being poor is not. So we might have some broke folk, but we don't have poor folk. If we look at the perspective of what I just gave you, we have some broke folk. We can get out of being broke. Poverty is a mindset. And then when you get in that mindset, it has to be broken for you to realize that and take a different perspective. Millions of Americans are experiencing financial difficulty over the last two to three years. We've gone through recessions before. We're in one right now where inflation rates are very high. These financial burdens have been weighing on people. And like we talked uh, last week about stress, this is one of the issues. 67% of all Americans say that the financial pressures are causing them stress in their life. Some to even the point of ending their life. In all reality, your financial problems are not a money issue as much as they are a trust issue. We're going to talk more about that today. So I have a question. Have you accepted the financial pressure, the lack, the debt, or the poverty as a norm in your life? Believer, you have been given authority and dominion over sickness, disease, poverty, and lack. Can I get an amen? Amen. Your position is a place of dominion. It has been the plan of God from the beginning for us to have dominion. A lot of us just not have, have not been taught, or, nor do we understand the authority that we have as a believer and the, the dominion that we have as a believer over these areas of our life. So let me encourage you this morning. Are you ready? Yes. Write this down. You are not cursed. I thought I would encourage you with that this morning. You're not cursed. You are blessed. You have not done anything to be cursed. Don't listen to anyone or anything that would tell you that you are cursed. Even under the old covenant, you couldn't curse God's people. So under a better covenant with better blood that has better promises, child of God, you are not cursed. Man, we could close the book right there and go home (laughs) and be encouraged this morning with good news that you're not cursed. Unfortunately, one of the most misused scriptures and a scripture that is used to abuse folks is found in Malachi, the third chapter. Can I just help you understand this just a little deeper when it comes to financial health? Yeah, we can read that. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Right there it is. And so then you get beat up over tithes and offerings, and then they will put a percent marked in that tithe, which is really here it says plural tithes. So if we really want to adhere to this scripture, and we would study it out in the Old Covenant, it's 25 to 30%, not 10%. And offerings... You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Hold on, I just told you you're not cursed. I can give you scripture that proves to you under the new covenant that you are not cursed. Cursed is he who hangs on the tree, Galatians 3.13. Jesus took your curse when he hung on the tree, and you are no longer cursed, you're blessed. Praise God for that. We can praise God every day that we're not cursed. Not only are we not cursed, we can't be cursed. So anyone that would take, calm down. Anybody that would take this scripture and I was one that used to and I would literally, I've torn up and burned up every message on paper and CD and tape that I could get my hands on where I would tell people and condemn people under the law that you are going to go to hell if you don't give 10% of all your income. I said that. Lord, forgive me. Because I was cursing people if they didn't perform a certain religious duty. Now I've had conversations with many many people and they believe that Holy Spirit has led them to give 10% of your income. Can I tell you something? Obey God. That's it. I'm not going to argue with you about it, not going to debate it with you. If you feel that the Holy Spirit has told you to give 10%, then you obey God. Here's another piece of advice I would give you. Stop condemning or putting pressure on anyone else who isn't because the Holy Spirit has told them to do something else with their finances. Because your financial health may not look like my financial health, and your financial health may not look like their financial health. But as the Holy Spirit leads and guides you, you'll be blessed and not cursed. You are blessed and you are not cursed. It goes on to say here in verse 11 that I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. Can I give you more good news? The devourer has already been rebuked. According to Colossians, he has been derobed, robed de-armed, de-ranked, and completely stripped of all his power and authority, because Jesus declares he has all power and authority, both in heaven and in earth, and he gave that power to you. So the devourer cannot touch you stuff (laughs) many with good intentions but in my opinion poor hermeneutics have beat people up for decades placing God's children in fear under a curse and scaring them with consequences while simultaneously trying to manipulate them that they can be blessed by God if they will do a certain thing. Can I tell you that you are blessed by God because he's good, not because you're good. Not because I'm good. You're blessed by God when even when we are bad and do bad things. He still loves you. You're still his children and he will not curse you. He will not send the devourer after you. To He doesn't have to rebuke him. He, through Jesus at the cross, has defeated him completely. And it says in my Bible, once and for all, clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God the voice of triumph i believe jesus is just saying no no please no the curse stopped here we have to get a hold of that when it comes to our finances we have to stop listening to anything that places us under a curse and puts consequences on us for not doing something that man has set as a standard So Father, we thank you for blessing us with the gift of your son Jesus and the life that he gave us through his blood at the cross. Thank you, Father, that you've given us eyes to see, ears to hear, a mind to receive, and a heart to believe, and a mouth to confess, all the good things you've already provided for us. And therefore, we declare today that we are blessed in the city, we're blessed in the country. We are the head and not the tail, we're above and not beneath. And that everything that our hands touch shall prosper in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter. I'm going to give you a lot of good news, new covenant language from the Old Testament. Did you hear that? That's good. Good news, new covenant language, but found in the Old Testament that's still true. And it says here in Deuteronomy 8, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant. I want to hone in on one word in that whole scripture. Underline it. Covenant. It's more, your financial health deals more with a covenant that God has made with you than it does wealth. Now, it's going to be about wealth. God's the one that gives you the ability to get wealth. But if you don't understand covenant and you're still stuck under a mentality that you can be cursed and that you have to rebuke the devourer, he has to rebuke the enemy on your behalf, and that only is going to happen by you giving a percentage of your income, you're under the wrong covenant. So I'll read it again, Deuteronomy 8, 18 in the NIV. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant. He is a covenant-keeping God, and he has made a covenant with himself. So point number one, as we build financial health, we must understand what covenant we are under. Lisa was encouraging me this morning, trying to help me to remember not to revert to tactics of condemnation when we talk about finances. Listen, I can raise both hands and both feet and your hands and feet too about the mistakes I've made financially. But I'm not gonna put condemnation on myself so I'm not gonna put condemnation on you about those things. I just wanna help us understand we have to understand what covenant, understanding what covenant we are under affects every area of our life our health, our wealth, our relationships because if we are operating under the principles of a law that can bring a curse and condemnation, we will never feel fruitful, we won't multiply and we will live a miserable life, not an abundant life here on the planet. Psalm 89 verse 34, God says, I will not violate my covenant nor alter what has come forth from my lips can i tell you what's come forth from his lips new covenant language i will bring you out from the burdens of the egyptians that's salvation that that is sozo that is health wealth prosperity healing deliverance eternal life abundant life it's all wrapped up in sozo life i will bring you out of the bondage for of the egyptians that's sin and I will give you, I will deliver you from bondage. so that's deliverance, taking us, delivering us out of the curse of the law into a new covenant that he has sworn an oath to himself according to Hebrews 6.13. He said, I will redeem you. When, when someone redeemed you, you've been bought. 1 Corinthians 6 says, you've been bought with a price. You are no longer your own, you belong to him. What does that do? That gave us his name. Do you know that when the prodigal son came back home that all wealth was restored to him? When the father put that ring on his finger, everyone knew what his name was and what was behind that name and what he could do and receive because all of the inheritance belonged to him. And God said, I will give you an inheritance, his riches. See, all of the language of the new covenant, we have to understand. God made an oath with himself, Hebrews 6, 13. I will, I will, I will. Doesn't say if you, then I. It doesn't say if you don't, then I. It says I will, I will, I will. So when it comes to financial health, we have to understand what covenant we're under and that God has sworn an oath with himself, not with you, so you can't break the covenant promise that he's made to himself about what he's going to do for you. What is that? He's going to bless you and he'll never curse you again. That's incredibly good news when it comes to my finances. Wow. Number two, when we are trying to build financial health, we need to honor him. We give him first place in our finances. Listen, this is not a requirement. This is not something, again, see, if I didn't explain covenant first, then you would think what I share from Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 is placing you back up under another covenant that if you don't put God first, he's going to curse you. No, because God has blessed you, because he has rebuked the devourer on your behalf, because you can never be cursed again and you're under a better covenant with better promises. I know I keep saying that, but it has to be stressed because we have to understand what covenant we are under. Then because of that, now we honor God. It's out of devotion, not out of duty. So that when I receive increase into my life, last week we talked about properly placed priorities. In every area of our life, it will help reduce stress. So when it comes to my finances, and I get a hold of the promise and the principle, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, honor the Lord with your possessions, And with the first fruits of all your increase, give to the Lord. So shall your barns be filled with plenty and your vats burst forth with new wine. It's honoring God. It's not about if you don't do this, God's not going to bless you. Man, I can raise my hand every time I turn around, he's blessing me. It's my perspective. I'm in the top 15%. I'm in the top 5% of the wealthiest people in the world. That just encourages me right there. If you are operating without a budget, you normally will end up with more month at the end of the money instead of more money at the end of the month. (laughs) And so why did I talk about a budget? Because in the budget, I properly place my priorities and I honor God. But see, I have to put covenant first because if I don't understand covenant, then you're You would hear, I would hear, and I would be teaching that if you don't honor God, this is the consequences that's going to happen to you. I'm not talking about consequences this morning. I'm talking about properly placed priorities when it comes to our finances and honoring God with the first. Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Stop allowing your money to tell you where you can go and what you can do. Tell your money how to work for you by placing your proper your priorities in the proper place and having a budget. Sidebar. RH. I learned that from Giles yesterday. It's a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> if you need help with a budget, talk to me and I'll help you get a budget together. Lisa knows I have a folder, has all of our budget on it, I'd, use, I'd write it out in a ledger. Sure, I could use a computer. Sure, I could use an app for me. It's writing things down and seeing where my money has gone and placing that in the proper places so that we know our house is paid for, our utilities are taken care of, and we even have fun things that we like to do that we have budgeted into our life. And we're blessed. Abundantly blessed. Save in good times what you will need in an emergency. This is a biblical principle learned from Genesis, the 41st chapter, verses 34 through 36, when God spoke to Joseph and he, go, he gave Joseph a, a God-inspired dream to take during certain years of plenty and store it away so that when the emergencies came and there was not as much finances, he could go over here and tell him what he had saved God inspired and use it in a time of emergency, so much so that He saved the entire known world at the time through that one God principle of learning how to save. That's incredible. Yeah. If you're not paying yourself, can I, I? I have Chase Bank. They have an option with Chase Bank that you can do a savings plan, and I do it. I choose to do it on a daily basis where I take a certain amount of my income every day and it's put into savings just just think of that and if you did ten dollars a day that's one starbucks coffee and one hamburger in 30 days you've got 300 bucks at the end of the year you've got three thousand six hundred and fifty dollars ten dollars a day so that you can have it when there is an emergency I believe the Father loves you so much that He wants to share secrets with you about how you can save money. One way to save money is to spend less than you make. (laughs) Isn't that deep? (laughs) And avoid debt. Proverbs 22 verse 7 says that the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. It didn't say... Don't get in debt at all. Some things are investments. And if you have a strategy that you can pay, using uh, Big Sandy, six months, same as cash, is a good plan. If you can pay it off in six months. But if you don't pay it off in six months, you're going to be hurting. Please, listen to me, plan for the future. Fear-based eschatology has caused many to not be prepared for the future here on the planet. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean the fear-based eschatology that tells you that it's going to get so bad that you can't afford to do anything, so don't worry about it. Don't save. Live frivolously because you're going to escape out of here when God comes to rapture the church out. Let me stop and say, if you believe in a rapture, I'm not coming against you. And if that does happen the way that you believe it and a rapture comes, I'm going. I don't particularly believe in that scenario in that way. Didn't say I didn't believe in the return of Christ, however you think that's going to look. But what I'm telling you is, if you will talk to certain people in certain age brackets that are struggling in their 70s and 80s and listen to them talk, they will tell you that they didn't plan for a retirement or a future because they were told that they were going to be raptured out but here they are in their 70s and their 80s and they're wishing that someone would have told them, "Eh, it may not happen that way. I would rather plan for the future and if God does take me out, then I can leave everything else as an investment to my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. Investing in future generations because God knows I've already taken care of our children enough. Do I hear an amen from the back back there, Matthew? (laughs) No, we, we love to bless our children because we're blessed. See, it's a principle of who's the owner and who's the manager. Psalms 50 verse 10, God declares that he owns it all. Not just a cattle on a thousand hills, but the thousand hills plus. A thousand there is not a numerical value. It's just everything. He owns it all. And then we are stewards. We steward his grace. We steward his love and his kindness. And we steward the blessing that he gives us to bless others. God is the source. We are the stewards. This is the last thing that I want to talk about this morning. I mentioned it in my opening that it possibly could be not as much about a money issue as it is a trust issue. So let's talk about trust. All right? We, the, the Hebrew word for trust is betak. B-E-T is the first letter, and remember in Hebrew, you're reading from right to left, so it would be bet, tet, chet in the Hebrew language, B-E-T, T-E-T, C-H-E-T. Those are the letters of the word betak when it's spelled out in Hebrew, bet, tet, chet. Now, we have, Hebrew language is a picture language. So if we go to the first letter, bet, let's put that on the screen, I'll give you a, There is what the the letter bet looks like. You're reading right to left. It means inside or in. And it's a picture of a tent, a home, or a family. See, you go in. It's the opening there. And then you have a tent. It's a family. It's a home ironically, the very first letter of the Hebrew Bible, when you're reading the Hebrew Bible, Genesis 1-1, beginning. In the beginning, the first letter is this bet. So God is indicating us from the very start that he wants a family, he wants everybody to be in that family, and it's a home. And so much so that when the word trust is used in our language and we read it, it's normally followed by the word in. Let me give you an example. Psalm 33, verse 21. We have trusted in the holy name of the Lord. So it's followed normally in the scriptures. Trust is followed with that word in. i give you another one, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. See how that in follows the trust coming into the family, the word tet, or the letter TET, T-E-T, is the second letter. And it is indicates uh, a wrapped, like the wrapping of a basket in the terms of its weave. The wrapping concept can be re- related to the swaddling of a baby in the blanket to, that gives them a sense of comfort, gives them a sense of security. Um, it's soothing to the infant. The, to be unswaddled biblically is likened to abandonment. So this word tet in trusting God is God showing you that he's not going to abandon you. He's swaddling swaddlingly you and he has wrapped you in his goodness. Did you hear me? He has wrapped you in his goodness and his kindness. Psalm 34 8. It's on our kiosk for a couple weeks. Lisa just put it on there last night. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. In other words, taste and see that you've been wrapped. You're protected like an infant. And blessed is the man who trusts in him. Chet, bet, tet, chet. Chet is fence. It's depicting a wall or a fence. It's attached to the concepts of surrounding, protecting, and embracing you. And it includes the idea of exclusivity. Now, the cross is all-inclusive. But one thing that I can guarantee you is that if you place your trust in and faith in the Lord, you are in this family. You've been swaddled, and there is a sense of protection and security, and an embracing. Christ secured for us the indescribable gift and privilege of being in the family so that when we put our trust in the Lord, many sorrows shall be the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord shall be surrounded by his mercy. Child of God, It is a trust issue when it comes to our finances. And if we are going to build financial health by honoring God and understanding what covenant we are in, then we've got to trust Him to lead and guide us and then we must surrender to His leading and guiding when it comes to our finances and how to steward that because His plan and intentions for you are good and not evil And they are to give you hope and an expected end. It includes prosperity. It includes the ability to obtain wealth, create wealth, and so confirms his covenant that he's made for you, which tells me he doesn't want for you to live in poverty and lack. Now, I know there's a lot of name it, claim it, blab it and grab it, write the check, what the heck stuff out there. I am of that persuasion. But I can't name it and claim it and sit on the couch and not work. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians to those who had stopped working because they believed in this mentality that Christ was coming again soon to bring them out of the domination and the uh, rule of the romans over them so they just became couch potatoes and sat on the couch and paul had to come and tell them with love and kindness if you don't work you don't eat okay we are in a family we're in this together grace life continues to help many individuals with house payments car payments electric bills to the point of our ability because God does not expect us to take care of people week in and week out there is a difference between a hand out and a hand up there are times when we need a hand a, a, a helping hand, a lending hand but most of the time we need a hand up to get us on our feet so that we can do what God tells us to do to build our financial health does this make sense? So combining the three-letter pictographs used to form the word trust into a unified concept, we could read this word to mean that trusting God is abiding and resting in him by discerning his goodness and greatness towards us and his protection, his embrace, and his covenant love towards us with favor and grace. If you guys would come. God wants you, God wants the best for you in every area of your life, and money is no exception. No matter how you got where you are right now financially, the number one thing to remember is that God is bigger than your financial situation. Do you trust Him? Let's stand together. I have not given a message, an entire message, taking up the whole time of my message in a sermon on finances since 2019. So Grace Life is not a place where you're going to come and get hounded about how much you're giving, when you're giving it, and you're not sacrificing. You're just not going to hear that. I'm not going to use Malachi 3, 8, 9, 10, and 11 to beat you up to manipulate you and persuade you because I can't. Number one, I don't want to be under a curse, so I don't want you to be under a curse. So if I preach it at you, it's preach. I'm preaching it to myself and I don't believe I'm under a curse. When I look at you, when I look at people outside of these walls, by God's grace, He's helping me to see you through the eyes of the Spirit, knowing no man after the flesh, so that we see the potential in you, not necessarily where you are right now. Whether it's finances, relationships, hardships, we believe, we see God's best in you and where you are five years from now, not where you are right now. Well, we have to understand, even in the light of grace and God's grace covenant with us, salvation and what he has provided for you has nothing to do with your work your effort you don't earn anything from god his love his acceptance his salvation is you you can't earn it and you don't uh, maintain that gift that he's given you by any work that you do but can i tell you that just about every other area of your life is going to require work and effort out of you our relationships take work. Whether it's husband-wife relationship, brother-sister relationship, our relationships take work. Our health takes work and effort. There are certain things that we're, we have to do. It's not because God doesn't love us and it's not because God doesn't desire to heal us, but sometimes he will speak to us instructions about our healing. And it's no different when it comes to our finances. I trust the Lord and because I trust him, I honor him with the first fruits of all my increase. It's part of my budget and then he just keeps on residually blessing and blessing and blessing so that we can bless others. But it takes effort if I decide that I'm not going to go to work tomorrow morning. Tuesday morning they're gonna be calling me and by Wednesday morning if I hadn't showed up, I may be on the verge of losing my job. You know what that would do to me? It would crush me financially and it would take months if not years to recover. So I gotta go to work. You've gotta go to work. I just wanted to add that. That's not condemnation. That's just plain out straight living on this planet. You gotta work. And I like what Paul said to the Thessalonians. You don't work, you don't eat. I know one thing I like to eat. So I'm going to work tomorrow morning. And there's other things we like to do too that by God's grace, he's blessed us enough to do. And there's things I know you enjoy and you continue to do what God's told you to do. And I believe financial increase is coming as you surrender to what he's told you to do. I believe we had an incredible time around the altars praying for people, believing for healing, deliverance during our worship time. There's not a whole lot that you can do at the end of a message on finances to try to uh, encourage people to uh, come to the altar and pray about anything. But man, we do know that God wants to touch you in your finances. And if there's a breakthrough that you need in that, um, I believe that there are people here who have experienced that time and time again and they could give you words of encouragement and pray prayers of faith uh, with you. Uh, And if that's your desire, We want you to do that. So let's just take a moment here as we close, bow our heads. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now about your finances? I know one thing that you will be able to clearly understand that it's His voice is there will be no condemnation attached to it, it won't put you under a curse. And it won't require you to do anything to receive his blessing. But it will require something of you to improve your finances as you obey his voice. Father, speak to your children. Not just in these moments, but in the weeks and the hours to come as we leave this building. We concentrate and meditate on what it is through the scriptures that you want to show us. About how to build our financial health and improve our situation on the planet, living the abundant life, looking forward to the future implications of eternal life with you beyond the grave. I pray right now in the name of Jesus over every person under the sound of my voice that they would experience the goodness and the greatness of the Lord. They would be wrapped in the kindness and the compassion of the Father and that they would begin to live out the days on this earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we declare it, we believe it, and we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you have a couple more minutes? I think Lisa had something.